0: With my mom, Ophelia Barba, and me, Zoe Luna. This show has been pre-recorded. This episode of O and Z is being broadcasted on Wednesday, May 6, 2015, and the time is 7 p.m. The LGBT the LGBT Hero Awards Talk Radio is a listener is a listener-funded pro, progressive station that interviews guests from the world of entertainment, art, and community, politics, public health, and businesses. For more information about the LGBT Hero Awards and this show, visit lgbtheroawards.com. Joining me is my co-host and mom, Ophelia Barba. Hi, mom. How are you doing? Are Are you feeling excited that we have our own radio show?
1: Good morning, Zoe. I am doing well and super excited to be here, and I feel great about it. Our first guest is James Gillum. James is the Deputy Executive Director of the ACLU of Southern California. We invited James to be our first guest because he is so helpful and he was so helpful to us in teaching us our rights and he is an amazing advocate in student rights. And he's here today to tell us about his work with the ACLU and LGBTQ student rights.
0: I'm excited that James agreed to join us today. James obtained his JD from Loyola Law School in 2003 and has been recognized for his work by KCET, the Lesbian and Gay Lawyers Association of Los Angeles, and many more.
1: Let's welcome our first guest, or our guest. Hello, James. Thank you for agreeing to be our first guest today. How
2: are you? I'm doing great. Thank you, and thank you for inviting me to be your first guest on the O and Z Show. I know that it's a very important day for both of you, and it's exciting for me to, to get to be a part of it. Thank you.
0: It's an honor to have you you with us today. I want to share with our listeners a a little bit about how we know each other. So when I first came out, um, I was coming out in a school uh, where they weren't supportive at all. They wouldn't treat me like the girl I am. And so they were about to expel me for coming out. So my mom was looking for people to help us, you know, kind of help me stay in that school. Um, So, my mom contacted this one person and this person was like, I know the perfect person for you to call. So, he led us to James and that's how we uh, met and James has helped me learn my student rights, my rights as a person and just, I'm so honored that I have him here, so thank
1: you. Yes, in 2011, as a matter of fact, in November of 2011, I was referred to James by a wonderful person. His name is Steven Jimenez. Um, I had been looking for help in dealing with Zoe's school and and all the harassment, and uh, they tried to expel her from school for coming out, so I needed to know my rights, needed to know what I can do for her. And James was instrumental in helping me learn what I can do for Zoe what were our rights were and you know he just advocated from us from the get-go and that's um that's why i'm so honored for him to be here with us
2: today also so yes and and ophelia when you first contacted me i i must say i was um I was outraged to hear the story, to hear that uh, a student had expressed her First Amendment right to to express her gender identity, and to hear that a school district was threatening to take away a constitutional right to an education because of her First Amendment um, self-expression. To me, it sounded like the perfect ACLU case. Of course, at the time, I didn't know you or Zoe and have any idea what emotional connection we would form together over the years. But what I knew was that something terrible was happening in that school district. And what I presumed is that if it was happening to her, it was happening to others. And so I was so excited when we started talking and you shared with me that your goals of this advocacy were beyond only your own child, but to make sure that the school district understood its obligations to LGBTQ students and to make sure that this did not happen to another student.
1: Right, right.
0: Thank you, James, for all the support you have and continue to give me my mom and me.
1: James, um, thank you again and I have to say thank you for that. You you have really helped us and helped me as a parent change our whole entire lives. And I, I really have to say that before we continue with this interview. Um, thank you again for everything that you've done and your friendship and y- everything. It, it's important to us. Thank you very much.
2: The two of you have changed my life too.
1: Thank you. James, um, so now let's uh, move on here and get to know you a little bit more and, and so that other people can understand why we think you're so amazing. Um, James, can you share your background with the with our listeners and First of all, where did you grow up?
2: So I grew up in Middle Tennessee in a small town uh, named Manchester, so kind of between Chattanooga and Nashville. And uh, I was um, pretty early on uh, gender nonconforming, kind of short, very rotund um, (laughs) boy with a cherub face. And so um, I looked much more like my mom than my dad. Mm -hmm. And so uh, um, I I, um, pretty early on in that small town in in Manchester um, started to experiencing some bullying and so I've got some first hand experience with um with some of what we've been working on together as well.
0: <clears throat> How did um you really get involved with law, like Was there anybody who inspired you or anything like that?
2: There was a a moment that inspired me, Zoe. Actually, I, you know, coming out in a small town in Tennessee was difficult, and so it took a number of years for me to come to terms with who I was and then to be able to talk about that externally. And a group of friends in um, 1993 convinced me to go to a gay pride event. And I walked into the park and felt like I had found my family and I felt like I belonged. And Uh, From that moment on, I got involved with the LGBT uh, Pride organization in Nashville, Tennessee. I joined the board of directors and uh, shortly thereafter moved up and and became its first uh, executive director. And so I was responsible for running the uh, Pride festival in Nashville, Tennessee uh, from between about 1995 to 2000. I had more of a, a, a leadership role. And that period of time is when I really learned the power of the law. As you may imagine, uh, Pride in Nashville looks a lot different than Pride in West Hollywood. Uh, There aren't that many people that come out. The city would prefer that the event not happen. And so they raise lots of barriers to try to stop it. They every year come up with a new permit you may have to buy. Or every year they decide that because your community is so hated, you need 12 cops per intersection to protect you instead of six. Knowing that doubling the security requirement means doubling a very small organization's budget. The weekend before an event means it probably won't happen. And so time and again, I had to threaten to sue the city in order to have my parade, to get a permit, to close the street, to not have them require too many police officers. And through that process, I learned the power of the law, learned that knowing how to use the law as a tool would mean that I could make a difference for, of course myself, I'm a member of this community, but also for others, and so I know we're going to talk a bit about the ACLU too. But particularly, why I love working here is because of the the impact aspect of what this organization does for me it has been about improving my life and my community's life, um, and not not um, having other people who are growing up right now in Nashville, Tennessee, go through the same difficult coming out process that I went through. Right. That's
0: great. So, yeah, we are gonna um we are gonna talk about the ACLU. Um, so. How did you get involved with it? Like can you give us I mean no, not sorry. Um what's like the background on it? Like what do you do?
2: So the ACLU is one of the nation's oldest and largest civil rights organizations. In uh, just a few years, in 2020, we'll be celebrating our 100-year anniversary. And so um, the ACLU has been before the Supreme Court uh, more than almost any other litigant. And uh, the the ACLU basically um, protects and advances civil rights for all people on a number of issues. And so we do First Amendment work. We work on immigrants' rights issues. We do reproductive justice. We've got a police practices project that's right now, got a fabulous new app that we've just released to catch um, police um, interactions and and, and abuses. And uh, one of our other very proud um, aspects of our programming is a very robust LGBT project. And so um, what I love about the ACLU is that we are a multi-issue impact organization. Uh, As a gay man, I am sometimes asked why I don't work at what's called a single issue, say, gay rights organization. Uh, but for me, my life is, is uh, multi-layered, and there are many aspects to me. My partner is um, black, and so it's important that, you know, racial justice be included in the work that I do also. And so um, um, the ACLU is that organization that's been around um, almost as long or longer than any other, does work on a number of issues, and um, does the work not only in litigation, as so many people know us, but the work we did together is really what I call community education, community engagement, know your rights coming out to your home and telling you what your rights are and then seeing you use those that knowledge to actually put your rights into life. That didn't take a lawsuit, and that didn't take us going to Sacramento to pass a new law. Mm-hmm. The law was already there. The threat of the lawsuit is what helped us in those meetings with your school administrators. Absolutely. But what we did was community mm-hmm. engagement. I told you your rights, and you're now asserting them. Mm-hmm. And that, to me, is, is probably the most exciting aspect of what our organization does because every lawsuit, every piece of policy should end up as they know your rights material. Mm-hmm. Exactly, exactly. And
1: uh, I am very grateful that you were able to come to our house. That's something, And and before I ask my next question, is that I would like to share is that the most vulnerable moment for us was feeling that we didn't have any hope or that me as a Latino woman, single parent um, in a very conservative area was not going to be able to speak up for herself, and I didn't know what to do. And just the fact that you came into our home, you were very clear and very honest and very helpful and were very straight and said, these are your rights. This is what you have to empower yourself with. And that just made the biggest difference. So, ACLU and, and you are just amazing. But go I ahead.
2: For me, I just I remember pulling up. Um, There's this really special moment that I'm not sure I've ever even shared with you all. But as a little gay boy growing up in the South, I had a lot of a lot a lot of girlfriends, right? Friends who were girls, and I liked to play dolls with them. And I remember playing dolls with one of my female friends after school in her front yard. And I remember my mom came to pick me up that afternoon. And of course, my mother was a um, a wonderful parent that I lost too soon and was always very supportive, but she asked me if um, we thought perhaps um, in future days after school if maybe it would be safer to play the dolls in the backyard or in mm-hmm. the house. And so the day that I pulled up to meet with you all, Zoe was sitting in the front window of your house playing with dolls. <laughs> yes. It was a moment that I couldn't imagine my own life. Um, I couldn't, that moment of seeing what a parent you were to, to not tell her she shouldn't be doing that. Before I could even come in the house, I had to send a text to my entire office Oh and like, God. Zoe's playing dolls in the front window. <laughs> it was such a big deal to me. It's such a symbolic moment about the parent you are and the way she's living her life so freely and so differently than I was able to mine, and that's what this is all about.
1: <laughs> thank well. you. I'm going to be all mushy now. I don't know how I'm going to do with this interview like here. Makeup. <laughs> <laughs> so I i makeup. So I have this question, and it just feels kind of rough to just go straight into a very different, you know, very straight question, but thank you. Um, I'd just like to say that, Zoe, you know, She always had the opportunity to be herself. It's just that, like I always keep saying, we didn't know how to get from A to B, and from there, but Mm. thank you. Um, So okay, (laughs) so here goes my next question. Um, What does your job entail as the Deputy Executive Director of the ACLU of Southern California?
2: So the Deputy Executive Director, um, to many, uh, it may seem more familiar if you think of like a Chief Operating Officer versus a Chief Executive Officer. So my job basically, is to oversee the day-to-day operations of the organization. We have a large staff, we have three offices, and so there are a number of administrative things that go on throughout a large organization like this that I'm responsible for taking care of. And so I oversee human resources, for example. Uh, I'm also involved with our programming to make sure that we're um, aligned with our strategic plan. The organization has goals that it's set for itself for five years of things we want to achieve, And I'm responsible for tracking where we're going on that plan and um, pulling together the staff frequently to to check in where we are and set vision for for the next six months. I also spend um, a significant amount of time uh, really working with our boards of directors. We have two boards of directors, and so I work with our um, ED, our executive director, to work with those boards to raise money, to to go through that strategic planning process. The plan that we have was, was written by the board with staff input and so there are a number of meetings that I go to uh, throughout the day I'm probably in meetings and on the phone more than um, um it's more of a thinking job than a moving moving job mm-hmm. uh but it's got lots of different lots of different pieces and and different responsibilities
0: <clears throat> so i read that you're the founder of the LGBT student rights oh sorry let me read, the LGBTQ student rights project can you please share with us um and our audience what the LGBTQ student right, student right project is and why you started the project.
2: Sure, so the um, ACLU of Southern California's LGBTQ student rights project exists to uh, basically create school communities that promote safety and respect for all students and to stop the unlawful bullying that's happening throughout California schools. And so, uh, you know, for me that's this, um, you asked how we started or why. Uh, This is, uh, you know, unfortunately some of the sad side of the work that we do. So we started the project because we were contacted by a mother whose 12-year-old son had committed suicide after enduring several years of bullying. And we worked with the mom for about a year thereafter to hold the school accountable. But again, also think about what's the impact we can have beyond just that one case. And so um, the mother helped us uh, work in Sacramento to pass a new law that requires teachers to intervene, to stop bullying when they see it. It's the only such law in the country. And so um, the project basically exists now to make sure that um, teachers are fulfilling their obligations and responsibilities, that students know their rights. We present um, Know Your Rights presentations. We work a lot with the GSA network and the It Gets Better project to empower um, school communities about their rights. And um, the project now is, is, you know, started initially by me, but we have been very lucky to have a number of funders to support us, including the David Bonnet Foundation and others. And so we've been able to grow the project to now that it, basically the project has its own um, staff with a community engagement person and a, a student rights fellow um, attorney who helps out and with its own, um, another staff attorney in the project and a director who you, know, you all know, Melissa Melissa Goodman. Mm-hmm. So now that Melissa's here and has been able to grow the project and expand it, she's really focused on the day-to-day LGBT advocacy here, um, and I'm focused on a lot of that stuff that we talked about in the last question. Yeah,
1: <clears throat> so I guess it's my turn, right? <laughs> um, so um, you, I, I know that you've published several articles, one of your law law review articles, it's called uh, Toward Providing a Welcoming Home for All, a New Approach to Address the Longstanding Problems LGBT Youth Face in the Foster Care System. It has been widely cited by both scholars and practitioners. How do you decide what articles to publish?
2: You know, for me, um, even my writing comes from a place of um, uh, advocacy. I, when I think about an article to write, I, that law review article that I wrote specifically was because I had been told about the significant issues. I, I worked at Lambda Legal um, during my first summer out of law school, and I had learned about the significant legal issues that foster care youth face. They had just done a report, and that report needed basically more publicizing and, and needed uh, you know kind of a, to get out in a world in a different way than perhaps a report by a nonprofit agency would be cited and so a law review article um, gives that type of information a different a different level of, of, of citation ability and so I wrote the article uh, basically to promote the fact that there is a problem in this in this um, area of the law that LGBTQ youth in foster care are often treated as what we call throwaway children they move from seven to nine times because so often the foster care placements in which they're put are religious based and as soon as they come out or there's any sense of all of gender nonconformity they're put out sometimes in the middle of the night with no time to pack and literally they're putting their clothes in garbage bags and that's why they're referred to as this kind of throwaway society and so that was why I wrote uh, that article I also wrote an article about elder abuse a few years ago uh, because it seemed it was becoming difficult for people to get there's this legal technical term called standing you have to have an injury to bring a lawsuit and it was difficult for people to bring lawsuits on behalf of elderly people who had been abused, but I knew that there was a statute in California that existed that should have been able to be used. So me and another law professor uh, worked together and wrote an article to establish for courts to be able to look back and say, okay, that law was written so that people in this situation can bring lawsuits to protect their their family members who've been abused. And so it's almost always about um, trying to do more advocacy. Great, great.
0: You will be publishing a chapter on bullying in an upcoming book titled The Right Side of History. Where can we find the book?
2: So the book will be available on Amazon. I believe that the uh, release date is going to be uh, the first week of June to commemorate with pride. And uh, so Amazon, and we're very excited. We just learned that it will also be on the front table inside every uh, Barnes & Noble store.
1: Oh, nice. Yay. Yay. That's somewhere we visit often, yeah um often. Okay. so often yeah. my question is my turn. <laughs> We're fighting over the mic here um so um, so, um, I know we should end, but I have uh, a couple more questions to mm-hmm. ask um uh, anything new out for the l g b t uh rights advocacy that we should know about um or, if we needed to contact you, any other transgender uh, student that needed help, how do we do this?
2: so um I guess the new- the newest thing I wanted to promote a little bit more would be the uh, the app that I talked about earlier mm-hmm. and because the uh, mobile justice app that the ACOU of California just released basically puts an ACOU advocate in your pocket. The mm-hmm. app is available for free for download at um on um, Google or on iOS. And once you download it, there are a number of different functions of the app, including one that allows you to record police encounters, either that you're having yourself or that you're witnessing. But um, the section that I think will be really exciting for our listeners, perhaps for LGBTQ students, there is a tab on the app called Rights. And when you click on the Rights tab, then there is a the first rights that come up are your rights to videotape the police because that seems most relevant to the app. But then after that, at the bottom, there's a More Rights tab. And when you click the More Rights tab, you'll find a number of different Know Your Rights that kind of we referred to earlier in this interview. They're available on that app. You click LGBT students' rights. And a lot of the same content that the three of us talked about, the four of us, Joey was with us that day, the thing that the four of us talked about around your kitchen table, that information is loaded there on that app. And so that means that, you know, um, of course, when you've got the ACLU, you know, there with you at orientation. That was a fun day, right? Oh, that was great. <laughs> that, that was makes great. it completely different. But but you don't necessarily need that, right? And there aren't enough Joey's and Brendan's and Melissa's and James's mm-hmm. to be out at all of the school districts where all of these meetings need to happen. This is a big region, and we're a, a limited staff as a, as a nonprofit. And so now each of you uh, can go out. We're going to be talking with Carol Ketchum from the Orange County Equality wow, Coalition woman. to ad- advise her about this app, because now students can walk right into the principal's office, even if I can't be there that day, and say, let's talk about these photos and what name is going to be on them, and let's look here at what the ACLU says about your requirement to call me by my preferred gender pronoun. Mm-hmm. So we, we're excited mm-hmm. to empower the whole community with that app. Yeah.
1: And, and I'd like to uh, sort of clarify on that photos issue, Um, if it's okay, there was a photo taken in elementary school of Zoe when she first transitioned and um, instead of uh, putting her name on it, they used uh, the birth name. And that was a a horrible issue for us, something that was very distressing and we, we were able to take care of that during our orientation meeting at the middle school. Which was amazing. Remember, James, they didn't know what a, a GSA <laughs> <Right. It> was. <laughs> Did they know what
0: the ACLU was?
1: No, they knew what the ACLU yeah. was. And they were, you know, but.
2: Um, when we walked in and you said, I'm here with, with somebody from the ACLU, the vice principal said, Oh, let me get the principal. I think, <laughs> I think she'd like to join us for this meeting. Yeah. And, and the pictures were such a great piece of evidence because yes, I were. remember we threw them on the desk mm-hmm. and we said, This can't happen, happen again. again. Mm-hmm. These photos are not on display anywhere in mm-hmm. their home and they never will be, and we would like to be able to display photos from this school year. Mm-hmm. So that pain became a great piece of evidence to, to yes. stop that from happening
1: again. And that's funny because they never actually billed me for those. Pictures. <laughs> 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 so that was that was pretty good. Um, but, yes, yeah, so um, just to reiterate, um, James Gilliam from the ACLU is here, and um, he's just amazing, and he's a great advocate. And, he will empower you with your rights, Yes. and that's the most important thing. Zoe, anything that you'd like to say? Uh,
0: speaking about pictures, <laughs> so I recently took my spring photos, and my mom, and I got them the first day, I was like, I'm sorry. <laughs> so I got them the first day, and I was like, what is this? <laughs> I'm sorry, this probably isn't anything, but I don't know. Me and my mom looked at it, and I just thought it was funny. And she was like, "Are you sure you had to sit on a rock like that?" And I was like, <laughs> <laughs> well, let's <laughs> yeah. get back
1: to the yeah. task you know? <laughs> mm-hmm. um, yeah. So this is yeah. Yours. So well, we thank you, James, for joining us today, and um, for being so welcoming us to your office. And it's it's great to see you again and catch up with you and those are all the amazing things that you're doing for everybody now.
2: Thank you for and, allowing me to, yeah. to be like I said on your first show <laughs> on this. Special day in your life, another special day in all of our lives.
1: And we're looking forward to the books and
0: we're going to pre order. Yes, pre-order. we are. Okay. For more information on the ACLU, visit www.aclusocal.org. You can reach James Gilliam by email at igilliam, James. <laughs> I J. Oh, that's sorry, at jgilliam at or or at two one three nine seven seven five two seven oh zero <laughs> sorry um for more information about the ONZ show visit the LGBT Hero Awards dot com under Talk Radio
1: Thank you for listening to the ONZ show. Um till next time <laughs>